Welcome to 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam, and while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bible to the book of Exodus, chapter 7. And with 20 minutes on the clock, we left off last time in verse 14 of chapter 7. God is trying to get Pharaoh to let his people go. Verse 14, the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. God's people had been in Egypt for about 400 years at this point. And about 150 to 250 years of that time, they had been enslaved. Verse 15, God says, Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes to the river. Confront him on the bank of the Nile and take out your hand, or sorry, take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go, so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now you have not listened. This is what the Lord, Yahweh, says. By this you will know that I am Yahweh. With the staff that is in my hand, oh, sorry, it's a little tricky to read with the, uh, the microphone in the way here. I'm going to just move this. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile and it will be changed into blood. The fish of the Nile will die. The river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. But God goes to him again. Many people, and you may be one of them, have had multiple chances to follow Jesus. Now, you may be a Christian and and you may say, well, I follow Jesus. But if you look back on your life, you might say, hey, it was multiple times that I said no before I said yes. And if you are listening and you know that you, even if you go to church, but I have not bowed my knee to Jesus. Jesus isn't the Lord of my life. I heard uh, a testimony from a lady the other day who for 15 years had gone to church, been baptized, become a member of her church, all of the things. And for 15 years, she said, Jesus wasn't the Lord of my life. I had just done the things I needed to do because I I wanted to be married to my husband. And so for 15 years, she followed her family, but not Jesus. And then after about 15 years, God got a hold of her. Jesus is always knocking, always seeking you out. How many times can you say no to him? And if you are in Christ, how many times did you say no to him before you finally said, yes, I surrender? So Moses goes 
when Pharaoh's coming to the Nile, this is inconvenient to Pharaoh. If he's going to the Nile, it's because he's going to take a bath. I do not want somebody knocking on my door. Well, I don't want somebody knocking on my door basically ever. Salesman. There's a, there's a company who comes every year and they're going to knock on my door right as we're sitting down to dinner. It happens three years in a row. I'm sure it'll happen next year. And they come once a year and they make their sales pitch. It always seems to be right as we're sitting down to dinner. It's inconvenient. It's possible that God is going to try to get a hold of you at a time that is inconvenient for you. It's worth it. It's possible, Christian, that God will call you to something at a time that is inconvenient for you. It's worth it. Moses and Aaron take the staff. The reason that's important is because Pharaoh has just seen this staff miraculously been turned into a snake and then back into a piece of wood. The staff itself had no power. The staff itself was nothing. It was a piece of wood. The power was from God. But Pharaoh would have identified it as such. God is gracious to use means and methods that humans understand. God says, I have tried. I have tried and you have continued to refuse. And if you won't listen, there is going to be consequences for not listening. And the water will be turned into blood. We live in Oregon in an area that is abundant with water. If I could not get water, if the faucet stopped working, I could walk to a water source within a few minutes. And we could, of course, walk downhill to a far larger water source with the Willamette River. To our south is the Clackamas. To our north, the Columbia. Streams and ponds and lakes all around. We have an abundance of water. But if you live in Egypt or any dry and desert place, water literally is life. There is a reason to this day, if you look at Google Maps and you see the population center of Egypt, it is directly linked to the Nile. And that has always been the case throughout the history of Egypt. God is removing their source of water. And it's not just the Egyptians who will suffer. Fish will suffer. Livestock will suffer. Our sinful actions have consequences far beyond ourselves. Because of the sin of humanity, because of the sin of humanity, our world suffers. Species go extinct. Water sources are polluted. Because of people's sins, there is suffering beyond just ourselves. Now, some will try to explain away 
and say it wasn't really blood. Somehow there was a contamination of the Nile River and it was red in color. Perhaps there was some sort of seismic activity and it released uh, minerals and toxins into the water to make it undrinkable. We just had the 40th anniversary of Mount St. Helens erupting. We have all seen the video of those mud flows going down the Toodle River and other rivers and streams from Mount St. Helens after the explosion. That was not drinkable water. So some have tried to explain it away. But a miracle is by definition miraculous. I do not expect that we can scientifically prove a miracle. And anyone who says, I cannot accept the Bible because it cannot be scientifically proven, well, some things can. Some things can. What the Bible says about human relationships, human sexuality, has been proven through statistical science, in some cases through genetic research. What the Bible has said about history has been proven over and over again by archaeology. But no one claims that a miracle can be scientifically proven. This was an, a miraculous event, supernatural, should not have been able to happen. And the Lord said to Moses, verse 19, Tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and the canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs. So uh, this could be metaphorical. But the canals, the streams, and the reservoirs would have all come from the Nile. And they will turn to blood. So basically, anything that had a connection to the Nile River was turned to blood. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in the vessels of water and stone. So the indication that I have is that if you had a jar of water that you had collected that morning from the Nile, it turned to blood in the water. Again, this is not a natural event that primitive people mistook. The claim of the Bible is something miraculous, supernatural. Verse 20, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile and all the waters had, were changed into blood. The fish of the Nile died. The river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink the water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. But the Egyptian magicians did the same thing by their secret arts. And Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Instead, he turned and went into his palace and did not even take this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they could not drink the water of the river. A couple of things there. Apparently, there was sources of water still available to the people. Even in God's judgment, he shows mercy. All through the Bible, all through the Bible, you, you see and read of the justice or the judgment of God. And yet, mercy, restraint, is often and continually shown. Well water was not touched. Which, by the way, makes me think that this really was a miraculous event and not a natural seismic event because the water table was not affected. It was only the waters of the river. 
and anything connected directly to it. So the people dug and found water through wells. Apparently, Pharaoh still had access to drinking water somehow because his magicians did the same trick. That's a weird thing. Your main primary source for drinking water and therefore the basis of your life, literally physical life, and your economic life as a people, the Egyptian people were and still are directly linked and tied to the Nile River. And that has been taken away by a judgment from the God of the Hebrews. And what do your magicians do? You take the little water that's left and you turn that to blood too. Now, whether this was actual miraculous things happening because they were tapped into some sort of occultic demonic source of power or this was a scam that they were running. Yeah, we just, hey, look over here. And then they dump a little bit of uh, red something in the the water and it makes it look like blood. I, I don't know. But they're polluting what little water they have left. They're polluting even the water that was remained out of God's mercy in judgment. How many people do that? God has justice in their lives, but there is mercy, and then they take the little bit that is left, and then they pollute that because they are so bent on not bowing their knee, bowing their heart, surrendering their lives to Jesus. How many people take what little is left and because they just refuse to follow God they ruin it for others that little bit of water that was left could have been given to the children it could have been given to the vulnerable and instead in their selfishness in their their greed to hang on to power and influence they pollute the water that's left God in his mercy left a source of water and even that they messed up. Seven days passed, chapter 8, verse 1, after Yahweh struck the Nile. Then the Lord, Yahweh, spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed and into the houses of your officials and onto your people and into your ovens and kneading troughs. The frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make the frogs come up out of the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same thing by their secret arts and they make frogs come up out of the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord, to Yahweh, to take the frogs away from me and my people and I will let your people go and offer sacrifices to Yahweh. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people. 
that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except those that remain in the Nile. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said, and Moses replied, It will be as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you and your houses and your officials and your people, and they will remain only in the Nile. So again, the plague happens, and again, in their quest to hang on to power and influence, Pharaoh's sorcerers do the same thing, only making the problem worse. And finally, Pharaoh breaks and says, oh, fine, I'll let your people go. Just take away this punishment. It's interesting to me that Moses says, okay, you tell me when I should lift the curse. And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Not right now. Not this next minute. It's amazing that we will continue to struggle, continue to fight. We'll continue to cause the do the things that cause damage and heartbreak. And then you say, when will you finally follow God? And well, when I'm done with college. Oh, well, after I've, I've lived a little in my 20s. I spent all this time in school and now I'm in my 20s and I'm making some money and I, I just want to do whatever I want. When will you follow God now? Will it be today? No, I'm in my 30s and I'm starting a family and I can't, I can't follow God because I have to buy a house. I can't follow God. Oh, I'm in my 40s. Do you know how busy I am with kids? And so on and so on and so on. And the misery and the pain continues to pile up. He could have said, right now, Moses, deliver my people from this punishment. But he said, tomorrow. I do appreciate that the justice of God is completely fair. And that Pharaoh and his household and his officials were not spared. But that they felt it directly. Verse 12, after Moses and Aaron left, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs that he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked, and the frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. And they were piled into heaps, and the land reeked of them. So even if, let's say that you say, well, I'll do this thing, but then God will forgive me and I'll have mercy. That might be true. You may come to the end of a rebellious youth, and God has forgiven you, but the scars are still there. The frogs died, they went away, but now there's piles of dead frogs and the stench and the decay and the bugs and all of the things that come with it. Christians can be absolutely forgiven and move forward in victory and yet still walk with a limp, still bear the scars that our sins have caused. When Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said. Don't say tomorrow I'll serve God. Later I'll serve God. Because God might have mercy on you and then when the pressure's off, you turn back. What if God removed the pain, the trial that is causing you to seek him. Coronavirus goes away today, tomorrow, whenever. The rioting stops. We, we return to a sense of peace. Uh, corruption is rooted out. All of the things that we want, injustice is being pushed back. All of the things that we want. And then that 
pressure that was causing us to seek after God is removed and it's not replaced with Jesus and then we go back, we harden our heart and we return. I pray that's not the case for you. I pray that we leave this horrible 2020 with a knowledge and a forward movement in Jesus. This has been 20 Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast of Faith on Hill Church. You can follow us at Faith on Hill. Online at faithonhill.com. New episodes are released every every Thursday. And we'll see you on the next episode. 20-Minute Bible Study.